I want to jump right into our text for today, uh, which is going to be Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. I hope you're getting familiar with Colossians 1, uh, 9 through 14, but uh, Sean is going to read for us this morning. And so while Sean is making her way up uh, to the mic, if you would please stand with me out of respect for God's Word. And uh, we are going to hear from the Word of the Lord this morning. Sean? Good morning, church family. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." Church, hear the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Thank you, Sean. So, uh, growing up for me uh, here at Central was a really great experience. And as I did that, and if you don't know my story or my history here, uh, really, uh, it's an interesting thing because I, I'm one of those unique circumstances, at least uh, I think it feels unique anyway, where uh, I feel like I was born hearing about Jesus. Uh, I, I was born in that. I started going to kindergarten here at Central Christian Academy and, and all the way up through eighth grade. And, and I heard about all the things of, of Jesus and the Lord and, and scriptures. And my, my parents were here every Sunday. We went to Bible studies and Sunday school classes. And, and we were just involved. And so growing up, like I just, I remember just hearing constantly about the Lord. And I even went into a Christian high school and got involved in Bible studies there and all those types of things. But in my story, with all of that background, as awesome as it was uh, to grow up in this space where I, I think I've spent more time here than anywhere else in the world, um, literally, maybe even my house uh, and my own home. But as I was growing up in all that, it came a, a kind of a point, a fork in the road for me, and that was college. And here I came to this fork in the road, and, and I kind of saw down this one side of the fork, which was kind of everything that the world offered, all of its pleasures, all of its hopes, all its values, the praise of men, making money, being successful. Uh, okay, now if I, do I want to walk down that road, or do I want to kind of take my faith down that road? And then on this other side of, the, of this fork was another opportunity, something much deeper. But as I stood there, I realized and that was not a real fork in the road, but a proverbial fork in the road. But as I kind of stood in that moment, I realized that while I knew a lot of the stories about Jesus and I knew a lot about all of the things that, that were in the scriptures, something was missing. I, I believe them all to be true. I believe that David slew Goliath. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. I believed all of those things, but I believe them a lot like I believe that Abraham Lincoln was a president or that the Civil War happened, or that the Holocaust happened. And I knew all these facts about the reality, but how much does, for example, World War II or the Holocaust affect our day-to-day -day lives now? Like, we know it's true, 
But it wasn't like meaning stuff to me as I went and walked about my day, as I made my decisions, as I walked in and out of those church spaces. And I just recognized like something had to be different. Something else must be there. Because I realized I knew a lot. But as I stood there now looking back in hindsight, what I see is that I knew a lot like the priests in the Old Testament knew in the scriptures. Let me just show you what I mean. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 8, look at what uh, is said about the priests. The priests, these are the religious people, the ones who knew the law. They knew all of the things in the Old Testament and the Torahs. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? See, like them at that fork in the road for me, I knew the law, but I didn't know him. I knew the law, I knew the stories, but I didn't know him, and he's the point. I hadn't been asking, where is the Lord? I want to find the Lord. I hadn't been looking specifically for him. I'd just been learning learning lots of facts, lots of good things about the Bible and and religion, what is to be a good Christian. And there I was, tempted to look at this other road that, that of all these things that ultimately would not profit, just like these priests. And looking back on that time now, I believe that the Spirit was stirring in me at that fork, stirring in me to realize that what I had experienced prior to that wasn't the kind of knowing that God really intended. It wasn't the kind of relationship with God. It wasn't the kind of uh, faith that really God was wanting for his people. And listen, knowing is an intellectual thing. That's absolutely sure. The Christian faith, despite what people would tell you, is not separate from the intellect. In fact, it's deeply rooted into the intellect. But he himself, God, as the goal, his word is intended to reveal him, to reveal his purposes, his story, his end, his character, his promises, so that we might know him. And so at that fort, in my life, 20 some odd years ago, I prayed, God, if there's something else, if there's something else, show me. Show me. Because I, I kind of want to run down the worldly road. That's what feels good to me. And so show me. And over the next few months of turmoil and, and toying with ideas and reading the word of God and praying, I came to know God. In and through Jesus and his spirit. And the reason I tell you this kind of testimony component of my life this morning is because I think we can easily, as people, lean towards knowing God like we know our history. Even if we've truly known him and we have come to know him, I think there's a temptation for us to slowly start to pursue head knowledge without asking always, even as we come to his word, where are you, God? Where are you, Lord? Where are you? That's who I want to see. I want to see you. That's what I want to know. And I read this prayer in Colossians that Paul is praying over the people, real people in Colossae 2,000 some odd years ago. I read this prayer and I believe that Paul is wanting something profound to happen in their lives. 
And I want that to happen in our lives, which is a deeper knowledge of who God is. And so that's what I want to lead us into through his word this morning. So I want to just start with prayer. Father, there's a lot of things that could be said. I know that. But I can't think of any words more important than the ones that your servant Paul prayed over his people and over the church in Colossae so many years ago. And so, Lord, this is my prayer for myself, for my family, for my my church family that are listening to this this morning. The Father, we today might be filled with the knowledge of your will. In all spiritual wisdom, and understanding so that we might walk in a manner that is pleasing to you, so that we might walk in a way that's pleasing to you and that we might bear fruit for your kingdom, that we might bear fruit in our lives and that, that, that Lord, uh, we might grow and increase in our knowledge of who you are. Like, that's my prayer, that we as your people would walk away this morning with a deeper reality of that. And Lord, I know that is a spiritual work. That is not a work that I can bring about by my words. And so, Lord, work in your people this morning as we look at this topic, as we look at what your word has for us. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So I want to go back to Colossians. And so uh, look back at Colossians chapter 1. And Paul, Paul prays for them to be what? To be filled with the knowledge, whoops, sorry, uh, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Went backwards there. To be filled with the knowledge of his will. This is the important part. This is what he wants, to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, meaning that his desire, Paul's desire, is that these people in Colossae would be completely overtaken by the knowledge of what God wants. That sounds simple, right? Like that they would be completely overtaken by the knowledge of what God wants in this world broadly, in our lives personally, within the church there at Colossae and also here, that we would be completely overtaken overtaken with the knowledge of God's desires for us as his people. That we would, be, we would be fully overtaken by that. And it's not just any knowledge, but don't miss that this is a spiritual work in our lives. Paul doesn't say that, that they would be filled with all the knowledge of his will through a classroom setting, but it's in all spiritual wisdom and knowledge. And so the first truth that I want to talk about this morning that I think is important for us to take away from this prayer and I think should be part of our prayers for our own lives is that we as God's people are to be overtaken by the spiritual grasp of what God wants. And so again, I hope this morning that you want this. If you don't care right now, as you sit in this space, if you can sit there and say, I don't care what God wants and I don't care what God's desires are, then you're gonna have a hard time caring about everything else I say this morning. And I just wanna tell you this, if you can honestly sit there and say, you don't care what God wants, you need to be very concerned for the state of your soul. You need to be very concerned for the state of your soul because part of being a believer is to care about the will of God and to care about what he wants. And so if that's your goal, if that's your desire, then intellectual input into our brains is not all that we should be seeking. In fact, we should be seeking the work of the Spirit, taking God's will, taking God's desires, and doing something with that in our lives. And so we shouldn't read the Bible like we read a history textbook. Anybody else ever tempted to do that? Read the Bible like we read a history textbook, learning the facts so that we can pass a test or we can kill somebody at Bible trivia? I was really good at that in high school. 
We had this little Bible trivia game. Some of you had it probably with a little rainbow and a dove on the front of it. And we would play that as a family. Like that was the thing. Like you, you, you can learn all kinds of facts to beat everybody at Bible trivia, but that's not the goal. There needs to be a spiritual work that happens. That, the word of God will have no more impact on you or your life or how you will live and what you will think than knowing that the moon is not made of cheese if this isn't a spiritual work in you. It has to be a spiritual work in us. To be overtaken by what God's desires is a spiritual endeavor, not a physical endeavor. So we don't come to his word. We don't come to his will. We don't come to God just with the flesh. We come in a spiritual way. And so we have to start with this discussion in understanding that our pursuit of knowledge of his will has to be utilized with spiritual tools. Tools that you'll be familiar with. Tools like prayer. Prayer. Remember the priests? Where are you, Lord? That should be your prayer every time you open up the Word of God. Every time you come into a place like this this morning, where are you, Lord? Followed up by a prayer of like, help me to see you. Help me to see your will. Help me to gaze upon you. Open my eyes to see your work and to see how your hand is moving. Like, help me to see you. Like, we need to be asking the Spirit to work in our lives. If you just open up God's Word and just jump right into it and read it like it's a storybook, you're missing the Spirit's work in our lives, which takes this and makes it living and active and revealing of the true living God. This is His Word. And so as you think about that, as you think about going to the Word and going to it in prayer, the first thing you have to ask is, have you stilled your own voice? Anybody else have a really loud voice in their head? I have a really loud voice in my head. Anyone else ever come to that space where you're reading through the Scripture and you read two chapters and suddenly you realize you have no idea what you read, but you know everything you're going to do all day long? Right? Like my voice is really loud. And so when I come to the Word of God, when we come to the Word of God, we must still our voices, which means we need to ask Him to help us still, still our voices. We need to be listening and attuning ourselves. It may mean you need to spend 5, 10, 15 minutes just still before Jesus as you come to His Word. And then pray. Pray that God would open your eyes. Pray that we would have the strength to understand. Pray that we would have the strength to carry out what is in the word, that we would have the strength to carry out what he calls us to. Praying for deeper faith, praying that our desires within our hearts and our flesh would change, and that our hearts of stone would be made hearts of flesh. And so if it's a spiritual work, we should come to the word of God in prayer, but we should also come to the word of God with meditation. And I don't mean Near Eastern meditation where your goal is to empty your mind, but meditation where you fill your mind with his word. In other words, once you looked into it, keep looking all day. Keep looking. Keep coming back to it. Keep praying that the Lord would use that to open your eyes all day long. Never stop praying. You don't stop praying after you're done with your quiet time. You keep praying you keep pondering. You let God's word roll in your mind for hours and hours, memorizing it. This is the thing. Keep it active. Keep it active in your mind. Instead of letting it be pushed out with a million other thoughts, you take captive your mind with the help of the Spirit, and you keep it focused on what it is you have engaged. You should be able 
to so deeply understand and remember what you read in the morning at night that you could just recite it when someone asks you at night at dinner. And I know for myself, there's a lot of times where if my kids ask me, what did you read in, in the Word this morning? I'd be like, um, let me think. I'll get there. Like, wait, but we should so ponder on God's Word, asking Him to change us and to conform us and to renew our mind that the Spirit is working in us all day long. So it's a spiritual work. We must pray. We must meditate. And thirdly, it's one that you may not think is very spiritual, but I think it genuinely is. We must do it with others. We must stir one another up. And what that means is God has called us to engage in faith with one another as the people of God. And so we should share these things, stir one another up, tell people what it is that God has revealed to, of himself to us in our time with him. Like you may know someone that's going through a wilderness right now. They open up the word of God and they do all these things and they pray and they just don't feel like God's working. And it may be you sharing with somebody else that the Spirit uses to bring something new to their life and reveal himself to that person. And that's, that's a really fun experience. And so we must do this in community with others. We must press into one another so that we can have a deeper understanding of who God is. This is a spiritual work, and we must be overtaken by that. Let's go back to Colossians for a second. The spiritual pursuit of knowledge should be also a pursuit of spiritual wisdom and understanding. See what he says there? He says that, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, what does that mean? Why, why is Paul praying this? Well, here, here's why I pray, he's praying this. I could stand up here this morning and I could tell you all a lot of facts about the stock market. I could sit here and I could tell you how to engage in the stock market, the dangers of the stock market, how you can make a lot of money in the stock market. I could talk about E-Trade and how E-Trade works and how you sign into that and you use that to buy and to sell. And we could talk about capital gains and capital losses. Some of you are glazing over right now, right? But I could tell you all of that stuff I, I could give you all of the information you need, but if you then go into the stock market without wisdom and understanding, that knowledge could be horribly destructive for you, couldn't it? Like, have you ever known anybody who just got into the stock market and just started playing and they lose everything? Like this is the kind of stuff that can happen. Like, like it's not just that we understand it intellectually, but that we have wisdom and knowledge on how to live it out. This is the intent. This is the point. Paul knows that knowledge must come with wisdom, spiritual wisdom, and understanding because the goal is to be shaped by God, to be shaped by his will, not just to have it up here in our heads or to seek a way to apply one different little thing so that our lives can be a little bit better or we can be encouraged. No, 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 to be shaped by it. This is why Paul goes on to say, and you'll see it in the text, he says, so as, such an important two little words. Why does Paul want us to engage in the knowledge or have the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and other understanding? Is it so as or so that you can win Bible trivia? Is it so as, so as you can become the smartest person in the church? So as you can have an air of godliness? So as you can be prideful in all the things you know? That is not what the intent of knowledge is. It's so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 
This is the why. This is the why we want to so much know his will in spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we might live in accordance with his ways and walk with him. And so the second truth out of this prayer is that we understand that the end goal of knowing his will is to walk in a way pleasing to him. And a pleasing walk isn't just being good. It's not just obeying the Ten Commandments. That's super important. But it's desperately wanting to be with him and see him that by his spirit, you're moving through life always on the lookout for what he is doing and where he is and where you can find more of him. This automatically bears fruit in our lives. This is what happens when we seek to abide in Christ Paul clearly sees this is a natural effect of those who are seeking to walk in a way pleasing to him. You're going to walk in a way pleasing to him, bearing fruit. This is what happens when we're constantly looking for his will and to to please him and to be in his presence is that he's going to bear fruit in our lives. And it's specific fruit. For example, just some things that we will experience if we're truly walking in knowledge of God's will in a way to please him. One, we'll experience the fruit of repentance. That one's not a comfortable one, is it? If you clearly and you truly desire the will of God, it will lead you to repentance. Because you know what? His will is not your will. And if we're walking in our way, it it means we have sin in our lives that we need to repent of, and that's why we need His grace. His will is not our will. And so every time we come in to face-to-face with his will, we're going to be coming face-to-face with how that's contradictory to our will, which leads us then to the Spirit convicting of us in our hearts through his word of those differences in our lives of which we are called to repent of. This is part of it. In Luke 3, John admonishes the religious people of the day to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. They knew it all, but there was no fruit of repentance. There was no fruit of repentance in their lives. And the Christian who's truly seeking Christ and his will cannot be content to be in his own will. It will lead us to repentance. Second is it will also lead us to the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but we will begin to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. These things, as we seek to abide in Christ and repent of our ways, we will see His fruit in us. Thirdly, we should see the fruit of bearing witness. Jesus talks about the lost as a harvest field. In John chapter 4, He talks about gathering up the fruit for eternal life. These are spiritual things that Paul is wanting to see in the lives of Colossians. He wants this fruit to be born in their lives, and this fruit should be born in the life of someone who's walking in a way that's pleasing to God. Now I want to pause. I want to ask a question. Do you have a knowledge that is not leading to a pleasing walk? In other words, Is the Spirit bearing witness to you of this kind of fruit in your life right now? Do you have a knowledge that that is not leading to a pleasing walk of God? Do you have a a knowledge that's not leading you to want to do His desires and, and the things He desires for you to be and a desire to be in His presence? 
Is this fruit, is the Spirit bearing witness to those things? Remember the warning to the people in Jeremiah's day in chapter 2, verse 8. They knew the law. They handled the law. But they, they weren't looking for God in it. And so they were tr- transgressing against, not the law, God. This is an important thing for us. And this has to be true in the lives of believers who are seeking to walk in the pleasing way of the Lord. I want us to go back to Colossians again. It says, Be filled with the knowledge of his will, so as to walk in a manner that pleases him and bears fruit. And then, what's the next piece? Increases in the knowledge of God. The last truth a deeper knowledge of God comes through an obedience to his will. A deeper knowledge of God comes through faithful walking, is another way to put that. For every single person who's listening to this this morning, my prayer is that we would see the deep connection between our true knowledge of God and faithful walking. It is possible to have a knowledge about him that never actually translates to knowing him. I lived that life for a really long time. One of the keys is taking what we have intellectually learned and seeking to walk that out. Let me just give you an illustration. Um, I know intellectually that my daughter, Samantha, loves to travel. Uh, Anybody who's been around Sam for any length of time knows that she loves all things travel. And so uh, I I knew that. I knew that as a dad. I knew she loves to talk about other countries. She likes to eat other types of food. And she just wants to be a part of that travel experience and, and, and see different countries and be a part of the world. Like, I know that to be true. That's a fact. But something unbelievably unique happened. When I took that fact and then applied it, and I actually walked with my daughter through the hills of Israel with David Mann and a group of people several years ago. That love in my daughter, I got to see firsthand. I got to see what happened in her eyes as she saw the things in the scriptures. I got to see what happened in her eyes when she stepped on an airplane. I got to see what happened in her eyes when people would put food in front of her that didn't look like anything she'd ever eaten before. And she was excited to do it. Like I knew and learned about my daughter in a whole new way by walking with her in that joy, not just knowing about that joy. Does that make sense? Like I I knew she loved travel. Now I know She loves travel. And so when my daughter is begging me to go to Albania this year, I know she isn't just messing around. Like, she wants to do that. And I love to walk with her now. And and my relationship with my daughter deepened by walking in that circumstance with something that she loves and she knows. This is such an important part for us. And when I was standing at that fork in my personal road of faith, I had come to a place where I honestly realized and saw that the joy and the peace and the contentment that I had read about wasn't there for me. I knew the stories. I had been pretty good up to that point. I had done a decent job of being a good kid. My parents might disagree, but I thought I was. But I'd missed that knowing the stories and being good wasn't the point. He's the point. Knowing him is the point. And part of the way that he has ordained that for us and for this to work is that we would actually walk with him by the Spirit and his will. I want to give you two more examples just real quick. 
in the scriptures that I think will help illustrate this. I want you to think about Acts. Out of the book of Acts, Peter and the disciples, they walked with Jesus for all of his years in ministry. And so they knew intellectually Jesus' heart to seek and save the lost, to go after the sheep that was lost. That was his goal, his heart, his, the whole reason that he was here. They knew that intellectually. They even knew his passion for the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And so they knew that in their hearts. But after Jesus died and rose from the dead and went on to heaven, even knowing that, there was still resistance within the disciples. And Peter, if you look at his story in the book of Acts, was one day sitting up on a roof waiting for lunch or dinner. I'm not sure which it was. And he falls asleep and he has a vision. And in this vision, he sees a sheet come down full of unclean animals. And he hears a voice that says, hey, take and eat. And Peter's like, no way. I would never touch anything that's unclean. And he hears the, the voice of the Lord say, who are you to call unclean what I've made clean? And then he says, hey, there's going to be some people that are going to come up and talk to you, and you need to follow them because I've got some stuff for you to do. So Peter does. He sees these people. They come up to his house, and he follows them to the house of a man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. And it's interesting because Peter knows Jesus wants the Gentiles to come to faith. He knows this, but he's still reluctant. So even though he knows it, he's reluctant into it. And, and, and so he, even in that story, he's like, okay, you know that I'm not supposed to be here and I'm not supposed to be talking to you, but I'm going to do it anyway. And Peter then shares the gospel. And if you know the story, what happens is Peter sees the Spirit of God come down upon Cornelius and his entire household, and he sees salvation come into the lives of these people. Now, let me ask you a question. Does he know God's heart for the Gentiles now in a whole new way? He has seen the hand of God he has seen the work of God. He has seen God move in mighty ways, bearing fruit through his obedience. What would he have missed out on had he stayed up on that roof and said, no. He would have continued on in intellectual knowledge, never seen God in the midst of that. Stephen, love Stephen, my favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, he's not in there very long, but Acts chapter 7 talks about Stephen. And Stephen knows God. He knows Jesus He's found salvation in Jesus. It's led him to serve the church, the widows, the poor, and to proclaim the gospel. He knows that Jesus has saved him and that he is his king and that he is, there's no condemnation for him. But as Stephen is obedient to what God has called him to, Stephen proclaims the gospel. And a group of people get angry at Stephen and they take him out to stone him to death. And the story tells us, and the true reality of what happened to Stephen uh, reminds us that as the stones are being flung upon Stephen, he has a vision and he sees heaven open up. And you know what he sees? He doesn't see a judge sitting on, upon a throne ready to judge him. He sees his Savior standing up ready to welcome him. He knew the salvation of Jesus. Now he knows the salvation of Jesus. He wouldn't have known that. He wouldn't have seen that. He wouldn't have grown in that deeper knowledge of who Jesus was. And I could go on and on and on in the book of Acts and throughout the scriptures that show us, whether it's Abraham or Moses, that the knowledge of God comes through faithful walking with God. And if you miss that point, we're going to find we don't know him the way we think we do. The deepest knowledge of God as a friend and a savior, a father, Provider, king, faithful, holy, powerful, 
doesn't come from only ingesting more knowledge. It comes from walking with him on a path. Something that I vaguely understood at that fork in my life. But I'm going to tell you right now, I have come to know more and more as I followed Jesus. I want to tie all this together. There's an available path that we can all walk with. And I want to just real practically kind of think, how does this actually apply? For us as his his people, we should be going to his word and looking for him. Not just things about him, but we should be looking for him, looking for his will. Never forgetting this is a spiritual work, so praying and meditating, sharing with other believers. And, And as you see him and as you go to his word, and you're now faced with his word, and you're faced with his will, and you go, I want to walk in a way that's pleasing to him, you begin to walk that out in your life, whatever that looks like. And that can look a million different ways, right? I mean, it might be being thankful in all things. You may not feel thankful, but you're going to be thankful. And say, like, I know this is your will, and so I'm going to be thankful in this sickness or this challenge. It may be that you see that he has a heart for the care for the poor and the sick and the widow and the orphan. His will to be in fellowship, more to be secluded from the people of God. His will to love others. His will to serve the church. And so maybe you you see that we're all a body, and so you recognize that his will is that we use our gifts, and then you hear us say we need help in the children's ministry, which we do. You then say, I'm going to take a step. I'm going to walk that out. I'm actually going to serve. Even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to be obedient to that, asking God to strengthen me in that. Maybe it's giving to the church. You know that's his will, and so you decide, I'm going to step into that. Maybe it's reaching the unreached. And so you see his heart for the lost, and so you say, okay, I'm going to step into that, and I'm going to go to the informational meeting um, for the Albania trip on November 18th. little plug there. I may not know what I want, but I'm going to go to the informational meeting and just learn. Maybe I'm going to go to Albania and, and share the gospel with people. Maybe it's laying down sin or confessing sin in our lives or fighting those sins or not compromising. Right? Maybe, I'll give you a practical example. Maybe you love the Marvel movies and you know there's a new one that comes out called The Eternals. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But you read about The Eternals and you find out that, man, this movie is all about um, some alien race that creates the universe and, and that there's a homosexual couple in there and there's a homosexual kiss in the movie. And, and you realize, man, this probably isn't God's will for me. Will you walk in a way pleasing to him? Will you lay something as simple as a movie down? Because listen, here's what I know. You know where you won't find God? In that movie. You won't. And listen, I'm a Marvel fan, right? My kids are like, can we go see it? And I have to be like, no, we can't. But here's the thing. We won't find God in disobedience. We will find God in obedience. And so we walk in it. And here's the thing, and I want to say this. This gets harder as we get older. I'm 42. I know some of you think that's not that old. Some of you think it's really old. All it's relative, right? (laughs) But I'm 42, and I remember when I was in college, and I would want to, like, go on a mission trip, or I would do things. Like, there was just a boldness innately in me. Like, I felt like I was invincible. Now I step off the stairs wrong, and I feel like I break my ankle right? So I I get this. Things just get harder as we get older in our lives. I mean, we're less adventurous. We have more to risk. We have families. We have our kids. We have our careers. We have weaker bodies. We have ailing parents. Maybe you even have grandkids. Maybe it's just flat out painful for you or whatnot, and it just, 
And it's just uncomfortable because things in the church aren't the same as they were 30, 40 years ago. And so it makes you uncomfortable. And, and I get all of that. But friends, if we, in our lives, take all of those reasons why not to step out in spaces of faith, we will stagnate in our knowledge of who God is. Because he reveals himself as we go about walking in faithfulness. And so what happens? If you step in, you will begin to grow. And as you walk, you'll not only begin to grow, you'll begin to see fruit. You'll begin to see fruit that you didn't engage. You'll be able to say, like, I didn't do this. He did this. This is awesome. Like, God's working, and I'm seeing his hand move in miraculous ways. And, and, and as you see that, as he works through you, your knowledge of him is going to grow. Your trust in him, your love for him, your thankfulness, your hope, your longing for heaven, and the desire for more of him, that's going to grow more and more and more and more. Because you'll find him in the midst of his will, not outside of it. Did you hear what I said? You will find him in the midst of his will, not outside of it. And how the Christian faith works, brothers and sisters, is that as we grow in him and we, we taste him, then like Psalm 16 says, that we will experience the fullness of joy in his presence. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to then go to his word so we can gain more of his knowledge of his will. And then we're going to walk in that even more faithfully. And we're going to be willing to take more and more risks because he's been faithful to us. And then we're going to see more fruit in our lives, which guess what? That brings more knowledge of God into our lives. And this becomes an ever-deepening jump into the pool of his beauty and wonder for all of eternity. I know you love those drawings, right? It, It represents it perfectly. But you see my point? This is the walk of the Christian life. If, if, you, if you're not in any of these spaces, you're not seeing the fruit of God, maybe it's because you're not walking. If you're not experiencing more knowledge of him, maybe it's because you're not stepping out in ways where you need to see his faithfulness. Brothers and sisters, he is already in his will. I just want to say, if you're here this morning, and you're like, I... I I just don't know God, and I'm not experiencing my walk with God in this kind of way. I'm just posing the question, maybe it's because you're not in his will. Maybe it's because you're not walking in a way that's pleasing to him. He's already there. People ask us all the time as we thought about adopting Jay, like, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Listen, we did it because we knew that caring for the orphan is his will, and guess who we found there? Jesus, a deeper knowledge of Jesus, a deeper understanding of adoption, a deeper understanding of my place as an adopted son, a deeper understanding of love, all of those things I would never have experienced had we not stepped into that space. And you can experience those things too, but not just by gaining knowledge in the word. It starts there. That's why I drew the little picture of the man with the Bible. But it doesn't end there, church doesn't end there. I'm going to close with a time of response. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment. But as we sing this song, I want to pose a question to you. Do you know him? Do you know him or do you know about him? Are you ever increasing in your knowledge of God or have you stagnated? 
There's a way to get beyond that. It's by understanding his will, asking for wisdom and understanding as you try to walk that out, asking for the power of the Spirit as you try to walk that out, and then walking it out, taking the steps of faith, taking the steps of risk, taking the steps and asking that he would bear fruit through you so you can see him. There's a way, there's an answer to that, brothers and sisters. And so, do you know him? If you don't know him at all this morning, in other words, you've never come to faith in Jesus, you've never put your trust in Jesus, there is a God in heaven. And and anybody who's walked this path knows it. That when you're in his presence, there truly is the fullness of joy. There are pleasures forevermore. Not in being better, not in knowing more intellectually, but knowing more of him. It's there for you, and he's opened up the door through Jesus. When I ask the question, are you looking for God in places that he is not? Or are you looking for him in places where he's already at work? I know you will find him when you care for the poor. I know you'll find him when you give. I know you'll find him when you serve. I know you'll find him when you lay down your flesh and die to yourself. You don't get to see him first. You have to step in in obedience and faith and trust. So are you looking for him in places that he isn't? Are you at a fork in the road of your faith like I was? Have you stopped taking risk for the kingdom of God? Have you ever even tasted the fullness of his joy? For us to endure as the people of God in this day and age, we must grow in the knowledge of his will. We must increase in the knowledge of God. And so, here's what I want to do as we sing. I want to invite, and I know our pastors and elders, we've been asking them to stand in the back. I'm actually going to call you guys, if you wouldn't mind, prayer counselors, pastors, elders, if you'd come up to the front, and as we sing, if you just want to pray with someone, maybe there's a barrier for you. Maybe you're just struggling and you're experiencing doubt. Man, that's great. Let's pray over that together. Maybe you're struggling to know God. Maybe you're in a place in your own life where you know you don't know God and you want to know him. Like we want to be available to talk with you this morning. And as we sing, this is a great time for you to come to the front. Let us do that. It's a great time for you to examine your own heart and ask those questions about whether you know him before we enter into a place of communion. But church, don't ignore his voice this morning. And if he calls you and convicts you, confess and lay those things down and repent. That's evidence of the spirit of God in you. Don't quiet his voice. Father, I pray that you would help us to know you. Not to just know about you, but to know you. To find you. To see you. Father, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a a passion to know you. So that we could say like Paul, we've counted all things as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Lord, make us as your people count the loss of our finances for the worth of knowing you. The loss of our safety for the worth of knowing you. The loss of our entertainment for the worth of knowing you. The loss of of on and on it could go. 
for knowing you. May you be the goal. May you be where we are fixed upon. May you be the driving force behind the desire to walk in a way that is pleasing to you, Father. And I pray for those this morning that are standing at the edge and they're looking from the outside in. They're not part of your church. They're not brothers and sisters yet. Lord, may they have a desire to know you. They can't come to you without Jesus. Press that upon their heart. But also press upon their heart that you came into this world that they might know you. And I pray, Lord, that they would make a step of faith this morning. Lord, I pray these things in your name.